It's time to dig in and discuss the questions on the minds of today's leaders. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. This is where we get vulnerable, raw, and authentic about the stuff that really matters. Now, here is your host, Kathleen Reeson. Welcome to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and I am here today with a show all about focus. It's on training your brain, improve your focus. And the reason that I picked this topic is because it's been something that I have had to focus on, unintended. I was just sharing before we started this this show, before we went live, that I had a significant shift that happened to me back in like middle part of March, early April. And what I realized was that I was playing a a wider game, meaning I had lots of different focus areas. So I'll call them focus areas. Lots of different verticals or different areas of revenue streams or where I was putting my energy. So I volunteered a lot. I had different executive coaching within my company. I had multiple companies, just lots of different ways that my mind could be occupied. And I said, in order to go where I kept, that worked for me up until then, but in order to get where I wanted to get for my own life, for my own goals, or where I wanted to really take the, the company, the next level required me to focus. And instead of playing a wide game, I got to play a thinner, but deeper game. And so then I asked myself, well, what would that mean? So what do I get to focus on? And I got to be in this space of pondering of what does even deep mean? And when I say this, some other words that maybe you've heard that could apply to this is playing in your lane. Okay, playing in your lane. And what that means is I'm really great at this. The company is really great at this. And when something else comes that's not that, we don't chase it. When we're playing a wide game, we might chase it. And then we might create separate verticals. So for example, McDonald's, that's an international company. They, They started out with cheeseburgers. And so, and then Wendy's came along and Burger King, and depending on where you live, there's all kinds of other fast food restaurants. And when, I think, who has the Whopper? Is that Burger King? Uh, Whoever has the Whopper. So McDonald's sees the Whopper, this is a different kind of burger, and says, oh, cool, let's make that. And so they make, they turn their burger into a Big Mac, right? So that's what the Big Mac came about. Well, then somebody else offers breakfast, breakfast. And so McDonald's like, hey, we can offer breakfast. And so now they're in the breakfast game. And this has been a few years, but now they can play the breast for the breakfast game. And let's say somebody else, then somebody else offers like Dairy Queen has all these ice cream treats. And so McDonald's says, hmm, what could we offer? Okay, well, let's offer these, whatever they call them, blitzes. I don't even know. I don't know my food at these fast food restaurants. But what I'm showing you is they saw a competitor offer something in a space and decided they could play that game too. And so they expanded their game and expanded their game. And all of a sudden, McDonald's is in the breakfast food. They're in the lunch, this hamburger game and different iterations of the hamburgers. They're in the dairy frosty, that's what Wendy's calls it, uh, but they're, they're in this ice cream treat business. So they've got all these different product lines. Now you look at like Chick-fil-A, for example, who only offers chicken. You cannot go to Chick-fil-A and get a hamburger. But just because you can go to Wendy's and McDonald's and Burger King and all these places to get a hamburger, 
That's not the game that Chick-fil-A plays. So Chick-fil-A knows their lane. Where I see some of these other fast food restaurants, McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, that plays based on where their competitors are at. And if you look at the profit of companies that stay in their lane, it's significantly higher. The statistics on Chick-fil-A, look this up, they are significantly higher than what you see at Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's. There's actually lawsuits going on right now with the McDonald's franchisees frustrated because McDonald's keeps changing the game. And that they really don't want to play that game and they want to be a part of a franchise where the the game just keeps getting changed, where Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A is very steadfast and this is the game we're up to. So that's the fast food restaurant, the quick service industry, but you can apply that into whatever you're doing. Are you steadfast and this is my lane and this is where I'm going? Or are you focused on really wide game? You're offering breakfast, you're you're offering any sort of, Anywhere people will pay you money, you're offering it. Or are you saying, this is my lane? Because when you stay in your lane and you're really focused on it, that's where you can start to really charge higher prices. So being really focused. And what happens when when we start to see what other people are doing, that's where we get shiny object syndrome. Okay, shiny object syndrome, which really just means something flashy that draws your attention. You've been sitting in a restaurant and you look around and, you're talking with somebody right in front of you, but somebody you know walks in the door and your eyes divert the attention over to the person that you know, and you're not, you took your focus off the person in front of you. Well, that's shiny object syndrome. And when we do that in business over and over and over again, we tend to get diluted because we don't know where we're headed. And then you add employees in the mix. They don't know where we're headed because one day we're headed in this direction, but the next day we shift a little bit. Well, now we're looking at something else. And then we headed in another direction. Employees cannot follow that. Nobody can follow that. I was sitting down with my eight-year-old. This was on the the July 4th weekend. And we're sitting out in the backyard. And I'm having a conversation with him. And a squirrel hops up on the fence. And he says, he's in mid-sentence about something. Couldn't tell you what it was. And he says, squirrel. And I've heard this joke over and over again about shiny object syndrome. And when somebody sees a squirrel, they yell squirrel, but I've never actually seen it happen. And here my eight-year-old perfectly demonstrated this. Squirrel, he says this. And we both, now what happens? We both look at the squirrel. So now uh, me, as somebody who's, who wants, I'm like the employee here, I say, where are we headed, Andrew? Where's the story going? And I'm super excited to support him and hear his story And he got distracted and says squirrel and it distracted both of us to the point that when he wanted to continue his conversation, his story, neither of us knew where he was. So we had been distracted that much, but that happens in business all the time. And the leaders that can guide through shiny object syndromes, the ones that don't get distracted by the squirrel, they might see the squirrel out of the the side of their eye, but they do not divert their attention. Their eyes are locked in on what's in front of them. Those are the ones that go the distance. You want to make money, you figure out how to go to the distance. You want to improve your relationship with your employees, quit sending them on these wild goose chases every time we see squirrels. Then they're going a different direction. That's exhausting. And so when when I executive coach, I, a lot of times what I what I see people come to me, and they they're in this squirrel situation, and it's not our fault, right? There's no blame here. It's just that this happens. This can happen quite frequently, 
And we get focused on this, the squirrel situation. And so our job as leaders is to lead through the squirrel. And that's what we're talking about today. Train your brain and improve your focus because it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to actually practice it. And I'm telling you, as somebody who's practiced this for years, it's something that I continue, like there is, there is a level of mastery that just keeps reappearing. It's like peeling back an onion. You think you've got focus and then there's more stuff that comes up. There's another level of focus and another and another. Now I can lock eyes with someone. And even if I'm in a restaurant or it's a really crowded area and somebody comes in, it doesn't necessarily divert my attention. Remember the principle that I talk about a lot on the show, how you show up anywhere is how you show up everywhere, which means if I'm in a restaurant and my eyes are locked in on somebody and a shiny object, somebody else shows up and I divert my attention, that behavior is the same behavior that's happening in my business. You go look at my business and what you would see is that every time I get focused on something, something else comes up and I divert my attention. So we can actually track our behaviors anywhere. They all correlate, they all correlate. There's not one that's different than the other. And so, so, so today it's about tools to lock in and stay focused. So when I say, when I'm in a crowded restaurant and I can stay focused on the person in front of me, the question becomes, well, how do I do that? How do I do that? And the first thing that I can tell you is to know your vision. And know your vision and vision, a really big word. So before I even go down this path of knowing your vision, let's first define vision. I'm going to give you this really quick story. I launched my book, Joy and Uncertainty, A Guide to Creating a Meaningful Life last year. I'm super excited. I self-published lots of different ways to publish a book. I self-published. And when you're self-publishing through Amazon, which is the system's called KDP, Amazon KDP, when you're self-publishing, you get to pick the categories that your book goes under. And I was super excited because when I listed my book, vision was one of the categories. Like, whoa, this is awesome. I mean, this is just how the, the, the world is aligning. Of course, they have a vision category because that's what my book's about. This is so exciting. I was lit up, lit up. And then I launched my book. And I hit the number one new release author. That's right. You are listening to a number one new release author. And it's, it was so exciting. There's a little banner that pops up on Amazon when you hit number one new release author. It's great. It says number one new release author in eye problems. Number one new release author in eye problems. And what I realized was that my definition of vision and the rest of the world's definition of vision isn't always the same. <laughs> I was laughing about that because I remember how funny it was to me that that could have easily been a make wrong space, right? Like, oh, Kathleen, you idiot. Like, you didn't look what vision was. No, no, it was hilarious. Like, now I'm going to tell everybody, like, here on the show, that I'm a number one new release author. Maybe I'll include the in, in eye problems or not. I don't know. But anyway, my point being that we get to define vision as if I'm in one space, like one, wherever I am, and wherever I want to be, there's a gap. Okay, if there wasn't a gap, then I'd already be there. But there's a gap between where I am and where I want to be. And so the vision is defining where you want to be so everybody can see it. But the trick, the reason 
that people don't always get from where they are to where they want to be is because there's lots of squirrels along the way, lots of things that distract them. So one of the tools is being really clear about where you want to be. So really clear, what does it look like, feel like, taste like, smell like, all of those, like all of your senses, we get to be crystal clear on where it is that we want to be. I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I declared, a few years ago, let me back up. Let me start this over. A few months ago on this show, I said, I really, I get to be a $20,000 speaker on a stage. It's not because I care about, it's not about the money. It's about the impact of standing on a stage at that level. I'm super excited about it. But what I realized was that I didn't have friends that were $20,000 speakers. I just, that's not, I didn't have those. I had friends that were great at what they did. I had friends that were phenomenal speakers, but I didn't know anybody that stood on a stage and commanded that dollar value. Now, I, I know people that can consult at that dollar value. I've consulted at that dollar value. I consult at that dollar value every day. I coach at that dollar value, but I never stood on a stage where somebody handed me a check for $20,000 and I didn't know anybody else that had either. And so in the gap was how I, the relationships that I had with other people so that I could learn from them. So that was one of the pieces in the gap, but I wouldn't have been able to see that as in the gap had I not been able to define where I was going. So when you can define it, then you can see what's in the gap. Now I can say that I get to be around other people that are up to that, that have that as their goal. So as a result, I joined the National Speakers Association. I'm actually heading out to Vegas here. I get to get to play in Vegas. And that's the, that that's closing the gap. That's closing the gap. And so when you can focus and really articulate your vision, when you can know where your vision is, meaning you're here and you want to go here, wherever that is, where you're going is your vision. When you can articulate that, then you can see what's in the gap. And that's one of the first steps because people miss sight of saying, this is where I want to go. If you don't know where you're going, every place looks great. Every place looks great. If you don't know where you're going, every place looks great. Now we're going to go on a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to share more tools about how to train your brain and focus so that we can improve our focus. Enjoy this quick break. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Talk to you in a bit. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. 
Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. And today, we've been talking about training your brain, improve your focus. And so I share with you right before this break, one of the biggest things that you can do right now to improve your focus is to articulate your vision. Where do you want to be? And so that could be in your life, in your business. It could be something as simple as I want to run a half marathon. Don't hear that I'm saying running a half marathon is as simple. That's not not a simple task. But what I'm saying is articulating, I want to run a half marathon. That gets us halfway there. Which half marathon are you going to run? What's the date of it? And where is it going to be? So the difference will be, I'm going to run a half marathon versus I'm going to run the Ironman half on June 13th, 2022. Okay, 2022. So now I know on June 13th, 2022, that's where I'm going. Then I can say, based on that vision, what's in the gap? Well, one, I haven't run for a while, so that's in the gap. Two, do I, should I get a coach to support me? Like, what, how long do I need to run? How do I eat to fuel my body for that? So now I can start to build up the how. But oftentimes we start with the how. The, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run every single day. And if I run every single day, then perhaps I could run a half marathon. But my gosh, what about a full marathon? That'd be kind of fun too. Or, oh, the Disney runs are really fun. I'm going to do a Disney run. Oh, but you know what? There's a grandma's race. Like, that'd be pretty cool too. And um, you know what? My, my husband likes to run. Like, we could run together. So that'd be fun. I'll do that. See how annoying that is to follow? See that? That's what happens when we focus on the mechanism, the how, but don't have the clear vision. This happens all the time in companies, though. We talk about the vision or the the, the how, right? We're stuck in the how, and we talk about how we're going to get there. So the vision would sound like we're going to be positioned with 30% market share in, in the service industry business by 2023 by March 15th, 2023. Then I can go to my team and say 30% market share, service industry, how are we going to do it? Okay, let's put all the different ways up here on a board and let's figure out how we're going to do it. Let's go there. That's a very different place to be than just saying, let's do all these things and see where we get. Thinking that maybe, maybe market share is an outcome. So how we train our brain to improve our focus starts with really articulating the vision. And then we counter that with accountability because focus and accountability are interlinked. So when I say I'm going to run this marathon on June 15th, 2022, that was the date. I don't even remember the date, (laughs) but let's just say it was June 15th, 2022. And I'm going to run this, this half marathon. So I'm very specific on my vision. The accountability then becomes how I signed up for the race. What does my training protocol look like on a weekly basis or even a daily basis? What am I doing that's going to move me forward to that goal? Is there anybody else that knows this goal besides me? Have I shared this with the people that are close to me? 
So see, now we're starting to put accountability points out there. And most of us in human nature says that we don't want to powerfully declare our vision to other people because then, then we'll be held to it. And ooh, I don't want to be held to it because then I got to meet it. And I'll tell you, failure is much easier than success. Failure is much easier to success. We actually, again, in human nature, we are conditioned for failure. If you remember back in uh, the first episode in June, we had Dr. Finnerty, who happens to be my dad, a neuroscientist on the show. And one of the things that he talked about was that our brains are wired. We as humans are wired as primates, which means we have a natural reaction to protect ourselves. And what isn't safe gets our attention. Not what's working, what isn't working gets our attention. Now, joy and, and happiness and the things we really crave, that dopamine, that comes from what's working. But our brain is naturally wired to tell us what isn't working. So now we have to actually train our brain to focus on what is working so that we can see it. So when we're talking about focus, where do we want to focus? Failure happens in the what's not working. That is a high attention to failure. But success happens in what is working. So if we don't train our brain, we won't see success. So when I say that we are more comfortable with failure than we are at success, I'm not talking about some emotional intelligence, high, like big concept. I'm saying that our brains are designed to keep us safe, which means that failure is something that we look for, we accept, but success is not comfortable for us. Failure is, success isn't. And so we have to retrain our brains. And so starting with that vision, having that vision, and then following it up with accountability, which means that we're constantly telling ourselves the accountability piece. What do we do today that moves us closer to our vision? What do we do tomorrow that's going to move us closer to our vision? Did we do today what's going to move us closer to our vision? What are we committing to tomorrow to move us closer to our vision? These are the conversations we get to have in our minds to keep us Focus. And anytime something comes up that doesn't align with that vision, we get to be okay saying no. Now, I heard uh, with uh, Southwest Airlines, okay? So, so I love Southwest Airlines from a business perspective because they did something really cool. And they were near bankruptcy. That part wasn't pretty cool. But how they turned that company around was they said, we're no longer going to make this company complex. I mean, yes, we put these these hunks of metal up in the air and we fly them. Okay, so that's kind of complex. Like the, the planes are complex. But once we get over that, how we actually get people on the planes and the experience that we provide to them, it doesn't have to be complex. And so the CEO of the organization says, how do I make decision-making at Southwest Airlines so simple that our vision can be articulated in every single decision that's made. Now, now the CEO, he couldn't make all the decisions. So he had to make it so simple that a flight attendant on a plane knew that the decision that he or she was making would impact the vision. 
So how do you make a vision so concrete that even the flight attendant, who's probably never talked to the CEO, can say in an instant when they're actually interacting with the customer, when the customer has a request, how do they answer it in a way that's in alignment with the vision? So, so Southwest Airlines, they come out and say, our job is to create a fun and loving atmosphere for our clients, meaning the people that fly their planes, a fun and loving atmosphere. So they're up in the air, this is as happens, this flight attendant sees the, the call light come on and she says, I'm gonna go answer the call light. It's a standard, standard protocol on a plane. Walks over to the, to the flight, the, the call light, the person that pushed the button, and she says, how may I help you? And there's a family on the plane. And one of the kids was celebrating the, the birthday. And they were on their way to Disney World to celebrate the birthday. And the mom, she's the one that hit the button, she says, do you think it's possible that we could sing as a plane? Like we could sing happy birthday to my child. Like the, oh, he would really love it. And the flight attendant in that instant says, okay, what's our vision as a company to create a fun and loving atmosphere for our clients? Here's my client. What they're asking me is to sing happy birthday on a plane. Is that aligned with a fun and a loving atmosphere? And she says, yes. And so what happened in that moment was that flight attendant was able to make that decision based on the vision of the company. And they had a birthday party in the air. I mean, how cool is that? And it would be different if this was an American who caters more to a business class and they aren't focused on a fun and loving atmosphere. They might want more of a reserved atmosphere. Would you throw a birthday party on a plane for a child going to Disney World on an airline that really had more of a reserved atmosphere, was really focused on providing that unique one-on-one -on -one kind of quiet, relaxing experience for an adult? You wouldn't throw a birthday party for a kid. But on Southwest Airlines, who knew their vision and was able to articulate it to their employees so clearly that then they could go articulate it and make decisions based on that, that's powerful. And that's what happens when we're focused. That's what happens when, we, so in this case, we can hold our employees accountable. That's pretty cool. And that's what we're talking about when we retrain our brains, focusing on failure to focusing on success, when we can clearly articulate our vision and where we're headed, then the people around us can see our vision and they can run with it too. So Southwest Airlines did such a great job in showing us what's possible when we can focus. Because could Southwest Airlines say, hey, we're gonna be for business travelers. <clears throat> hey, we're gonna, we're gonna focus on singles. Like cruises are all about singles and meet and greet. They want people to meet on a on their cruise and whether they fall in love or not is irrelevant, but they want people to connect. And so they want to create, they, they, they host singles cruises or family cruises. They're really focused on connection, but that's not, that's not the airlines. So when we were talking earlier about McDonald's and how McDonald's creates breakfast, because guess what? Wendy's has breakfast. So now these airlines, Southwest Airlines, what I found so cool about that story is they knew who they were. And they focused, and there's such value in that. Think about that for you. 
have you played a wide game where you've added a bunch of services because somebody was willing to pay you for them? Or are you focused and locked in on what your lane is, what you're really good at? Have you simplified that vision so that it is so clear to those around you that they can make a decision based on that vision without you there? That is powerful. When you can, when you can articulate that vision so clearly, then everybody else can be accountable to that vision. You can be accountable to that vision. So there's a, that's a huge tool for you. Make sure that that vision is clearly articulated and you can share it with other people so that they can hold themselves accountable. You can hold them accountable and you can hold yourself accountable to that vision. We're going to go on a quick break here. And when we get back, we're going to dig even deeper into this topic. Yes, even deeper. There's more. It's like peeling back an onion. There's always more. So enjoy this quick break. You are listening to the Kathleen Recent Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Recent Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show. Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Um, we have been talking all about train your brain, improve your focus. We are so naturally wired as primates to focus on what's not working. And today we're learning how to rewire our brains to focus on what is working. That's where success happens. And so one of the tools that we gave earlier on was articulating your vision. The second tool is making it so simple that you can communicate it to everyone around you, your employees, the people around you that can, that can really carry that vision forward. And so this next tool that I'm going to give you is one that if you're driving pull over. If you're running, stop and get your notes out because this is something that you can actually do right now that will make a profound difference in how you focus. This is an exercise that I have gone through myself over and over and over again. I go through it at least once a quarter and every quarter I get tighter on what my lane is. We talked about lanes earlier in the show, but what it is that you're really, really good at that no one else can do. So this, this tool to use is that you get to grab a piece of paper, grab your notes, whatever it is, and I want you to write down every single thing that you do. This may take you an hour. 
It's gonna take you five minutes, but everything that you do, and I'm talking not just at work, at home, like you're cleaning your house, you are checking the mail every day, whatever it is, whatever those, those categories are that you have, write it all down. And if you, one of the things that I often find when I get stuck in this, I will just track it. So for 24 hours, I will track everything. Now I'm going to be sleeping for a large portion of that. So I could write sleep on this as a category, but everything I do, fixing my meals, eating my meals, driving to work, what I'm doing at work, checking emails, answering phone calls, returning phone calls, working with my clients, coaching my team, all these things, write it down. So all of them are written down. Then what you do is you're going to break all of those items into four categories. So you're gonna, you're gonna divide them into four categories. And here are the four categories, okay? Here are the four categories. One, I am great at it. And currently I am the only one that can do it. So I'm great at it and I'm the only one that can do it. That's category number one. Category number two, I'm great at it and other people can do it. I'm great at it and other people can do it. Then there's category three. I'm great at it and others can do it, okay? So we said category, let me refer this in case I miss this here. Category one, I'm great at it and I'm the only one that can do it. Category two, I'm great at it and others can do it. Category number three, I'm not great at it, okay? So like I said it incorrectly here before, so hear this, category number three, I am not great at it, but I'm the only one that can do it. Category three, I'm not great at it, but I'm the only one that can do it. And category number four, I'm not great at it and others can do it. Category number four, I'm not great at it and others can do it. So you're gonna break those all down into four categories and you're gonna see which ones you're great at and others can't do it and which ones you're not great at and others can't do it. So only the others can't do it category are the ones we're going to focus on. The ones that are in the others can do it, go get other people to do it. Figure out how to get those things off your plate because guess what? They're not making you money. Even if you're great at it, but others can do it, if that's not your space. That's not your space. So then you, get, you have two categories left. I'm the only one that can do it. Some of those you like and some of those you don't. Now we're gonna focus on the ones that I'm not great at, but I'm the only one that can do it. This is where you're losing money, you're losing energy, you're losing time. This is what we call energy sucks, they're takers. You're focusing on stuff that is not your key area, your key strength. So now the question becomes, does it really, are you really the only one that can do this? So is it a training issue? Or is it a model issue? Meaning we don't really have to do this, but I've done it for so long and I'm the only one who can. Or a training issue saying, I haven't trained anyone else to do it and that's why I'm the only one that can do it. 
We all like to think we're super special, but the reality is we die tomorrow with the company continue. My family would be significantly different if I, if I died. My company, would my company continue without me? Some of them would, some of them wouldn't. But I am in the business of wanting to be with companies where if I died tomorrow, it would certainly hurt, but they could still exist. That's the sign of a powerful company. So what we're going to look at and what we want to get to, so when you look at this on a continual basis, you want your time to be focused on the things that you're great at and that no one else can do. And then you're constantly going to look at how do I train other people so that I'm not the only one. Now, there's a hesitancy in that because if I, if I take what I'm really good at, I teach someone else, I train somebody else how to do that, then what's left? Am I valuable anymore? But trust me, it's like peeling back an onion. There's always going to be another layer. There's always going to be something else that you can focus on. Okay, so right now we want to get rid of anything that is not in that. I'm great at it and I'm the only one that can do it. Anything else, we figure out how other people can do those. And then we get really specific on why am I only the one that can do this? Is it a model issue where I need to rethink how we're doing the work? Or is it a training issue? Who could I train so that I'm not the only one that can do it? And then it just gets smaller and smaller. That portion of things are on your plate. And what happens is you can be really great at that stuff that's on your plate. All the other stuff is just occupying your attention. So you get rid of it. If somebody else do it. Some of that stuff probably could just go away. Nobody else has to do it. It just doesn't need to be on your plate. But now when you show up every day, when you get up out of bed, the stuff that you're working on is the natural stuff that you're really good at or you're growing into. When you go through this exercise quarterly like I do, and I'm continually removing things from my plate that, that aren't things that I'm great at. But let me give you an example. I'm a former CPA, okay? I've, I've shared this before. I'm a former CPA. So I get, I get the books. I get the financials. I, in my first company, my marketing firm, I did the books for five years, five years. So every payroll, every expense, I took care of it. And then my coach says to me one day, Kathleen, you're the most expensive bookkeeper I have ever met. I said, a bookkeeper? I'm not a bookkeeper. What do you mean? Why would you call me a bookkeeper? And he says, do you keep the books for this company? Well, yeah, but I'm not the bookkeeper. I'm a CEO of the company. I all this. I'm not the bookkeeper. And he says, okay, got it. You're the bookkeeper. And you got all these other titles, but you keep the books for the company as bookkeeper. I said, fine, fine, whatever. Call me whatever you want. I keep the books for the company. He says, how much do you pay yourself per hour. So I'm on an hourly employee. He goes, okay, but well, like, you have salary. I said, yes. He goes, well, how much time do you spend on bookkeeping every month? I said, well, I like 10 hours. It's not that big of a deal. Said, okay. So let's just calculate your salary and allocate those 10 hours and how much are you paying yourself to be bookkeeper? And I did the math on it. And this all happened like, within probably a 20 minute conversation. I do the math and I look at him and I said, Oh my gosh, I'm the most expensive bookkeeper. And I realized what he was saying that, that I had, I was good at it. Not great, but I, I was pretty good at it, but I was not the only one that could do it. I thought I was, but I got to change the model and realize that I could pay somebody a much lesser rate 
to just handle the books. So that was my early stages of growing in this and, and in my startup phase in the business. And for five years, I held on to that. And so there are a lot of things that you're holding on to that we think we, we tell ourselves, I'm the only one that can do it, or I just really love it. But when we really look at it and say, is that my role? Is that what's advancing the company forward? We realize, okay, there's things we can shed. It's the same thing with our, our home lives too. I hear this a lot with cleaning of the house. Like, oh, I, I can clean my house. It's not that big of a deal. And there have been times in my life where I've had a house cleaner and times that I haven't. And it is not, I have no judgment on people that have house cleaners or don't have house cleaners. But where, where I see people get stuck is that they spend hours cleaning their house and they don't enjoy it. And it's time suck for them. And it's taking them away from their kids and the things that they do enjoy. And when that happens, then they get into a space of what's not working, that failure space. Their brain is trained there, not in what is working. And that's not working. Like that's like, that doesn't work. So <clears throat> excuse me, it's easier to get a house cleaner in that case than uh, really rewiring your brain. Just get a housekeeper. It's not that big of a deal. And if you can't afford it, like, I hear that too. I got, actually, I wrote about this in the book. I wrote about what would happen for the people that say, but I can't afford a house cleaner if, if, if there's a space of scarcity there. Well, then we look at why are we in the house that we're in? You know, do, we, do we really need to be in this house? The average house has grown significantly. <coughs> the average size of the house has grown significantly. If you look back even 40, 30 years about that time period, house sizes were about 1,300 square feet. The average house size now is over 2,000 square feet. But the level of joy has not risen in correlation with that. So, so you think about that. We're, we're accumulating more material goods, but our level of joy, the reason that we're here, hasn't, hasn't really grown in relationship to that. So then it becomes this question of why. Why are we accumulating these things? So when I hear people, what I, a lot of people that I work with, they say, well, you know, I can't, I can't get a house, house cleaner. I say, well, what size is your house? And we really get into this question of what's important. Because oftentimes if we've accumulated a lot of these material things, they're not necessarily important. And they're just distractions. They're like, think of them as dust collectors. You know, in a house, legitimate, there are dust collectors. But in business, that happens too. So something that we just accumulate different lines of business just because we have them and then they collect dust and then we got to get rid of them. I'm working with a company right now who's got some cleanup to do. They've got companies that are losing quite a bit of money, but their bigger companies are making enough that to, oh, to compensate for it. So they have these smaller companies that are losing anywhere between a hundred and hundred thousand and a half million. So significant amounts of money, but their biggest company makes you know, millions of dollars. So it makes this half million dollar loss not seem like that big of a deal until you look at it and say, okay, no more. We're not going to tolerate. This is just a distraction because you've got, even, even if, even if we just look at it from a neutral financial perspective, well, we're making 20 million here. We can afford to lose a half million here. Maybe. But what happens is you've got, you got employees tied up in there. You've got senior leaders that are responsible for overseeing the $20 million operation, profitable operation. And those that are overseeing the half million dollar loss operation. Do you want your senior leaders to focus their time and energy on the company that's making 20 million or the company that's losing half million? I, I want my 
senior leaders focused on the company that's making that $20 million in profit. That's where I want their attention. But as long as that company that's making a half million dollars is on our books, under our ownership, then they've got to develop, devote time to it. And so now it becomes either get that company off the books because it's a distraction. I want my people, my senior leaders to focus on what's, what's working in our company. So then you say that a half million dollar company, we're either going to change the model or the people. Okay. So we're either going to, we're going to, we're going to fix this. Or we're going to get you out of here. So that's the place that we get to go when we, when we move into focus. So focusing is so important. This is such a great skill. And remember, like there's no right or wrong here. So if you're in a space that you're saying, wow, how have I gotten here? I'm playing such a wide game. Just hear me. There's nothing that's broken. And I have been where you are long ago. And now the next level for you is getting to focus. It's saying, what is our lane? What are we really good at? And how do we get these other areas off of our plates, these other distractions? Okay, guys, we are going to go on another, our last quick break. And when we get back, we're going to pull all of this together. You are listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Enjoy this quick break. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and we're here on Inspired Choices Network. And we've been talking for the last 45 minutes about training your brain to improve your focus. And that is so important to remember that our brains are wired as primates to protect us, to keep us safe. We see what's not working. We focus on what's not working. And that works to keep us safe at a a human basic needs level. But when it doesn't work is we want to grow because success, growth, that happens in what is working. And so that is why training your brain, we get to focus on what is working. And the number one step, we talked about this earlier in the show, having a clear vision. That's really important. That's going to be where we want to go. Then we make it so simple that those around us can embrace it, can love it, and can make decisions based on that vision. They can carry it forward without us. And then we go through and we say, what is really the lane that we're playing in? So if you're saying, got it, I hear you, Kathleen, I get it, but what's the next step? How do I actually do this? You grab that piece of paper, you write down all the things that you're currently doing, and you go through those four categories that we talked about. What are you great at that only you can do? What are you great at that others can do? What are you not great at that only you can do? What are you not great at that others can do? And anything that you're great at it's a second look. Everything else that you're not great at, get it off your plate. And anything that you're great at, if others can do it, let them do it. And anything that you're great at, 
that others can't do, can you train people? Can you train people? And do you need to be doing it? And so when we train our brains in that way, fantastic results happen. I mean, we're talking significant growth in companies. I have trained companies and executives on this process, and we see significant growth in revenues, in employee satisfaction, in client satisfaction, in, in their own satisfaction, which really, come on, guys, like that's the most important piece right there. Because if I'm not satisfied, no one can be satisfied because I am sourced for my company and I'm sourced for my family. And when I say that, let me be clear what I mean. I don't mean this, the world revolves around me. I mean, I'm the one that's setting the tone. When, the, when, when I come into my house and my kids are here and I'm frustrated and mad, they say, what's up with mom? If I smile, we'll be out of kick. That'll seem weird. I'll put a frown on my face. And now all of a sudden, the dynamic is the grumpy. And I say, of course I'm grumpy. You're all grumpy. So it's really easy to see in a family dynamic. But that's also what happens in our businesses. We are source. Meaning when we walk in and we're grumpy, then everybody else in the company is grumpy. But when I walk in lit up and excited, then guess where the company gets to go? Lit up and excited. So when I say it starts with us, I mean it starts with us. We are source. So when we train our brain and we focus, it gives the permission for those around us to focus. And that is powerful. That is a tool that took me years to learn. And I'm sharing it with you here today because I don't want you to have to take years to learn it. This is my gift to you. And if these are things that you're enjoying, these topics, we've got even more. Next week, I'm bringing on a friend that I met. He's over in Europe. And he started out as a venture capitalist over in uh, the United States in the Bay Area. He worked with a lot of like VC. And that's an area that I've never grown a company through VC. I'm highly intrigued by it. So I met this guy, Mike Doherty, and he he used to be a venture capitalist, and then he shifted into how you actually build startups. And again, like startups that would then utilize VC. So if you've ever thought about growing your company through different methods, I'm really intrigued about what Mike can share with us on how to look at a company in growth mode and what does a venture capitalist care about. Now, whether you have considered VC or not is irrelevant. It's how do I build a company that is sustainable, that's of interest to other people? I don't know about you, like lifestyle businesses, those are businesses that are built that are really just for the owner, uh, where the owner can have a great lifestyle. That's one type of business. But the businesses that I'm intrigued about right now are the scalable ones that are then sellable. Okay? Or, or they're going to they're gonna have continuity in some way. And so Mike's got some insight for us that he's going to share with us about these types of businesses and how we build that and become that. So stay tuned next Monday, you're gonna hear that show. But let me know guys, if you're, guys, if you're interested in, in really the stuff that we talk about on the show and you wanna apply it into your company, absolutely, there are tools that I'm giving you in the show, but call me. This is a conversation that we can have directly and we can, we can dig into, is this stuff applicable for your business? I believe the answer is yes. <laughs> and there's a few other factors that go into that. 
There's a few other factors, of course. So I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. Kathleen at KathleenRiesen.com. Kathleen at KathleenRiesen.com. So reach out if you have any questions or want to know how you can, you can apply the stuff that you're hearing on this show into your business and your life. And every single week, we're bringing you this kind of content about how you can grow. My role is to be an advisor to the CEO. I build effective internal coaching programs. Like that's, that's my value, bailiwag. When you say, what's your lane, Kathleen? That's my lane. I build, I turn CEOs into executive coaches so they can be the executive coaches for their senior leader team who are coaches for their team. And most importantly, all the employees are coachable. All the employees are coachable. That's the key. I was just talking with a guy the other day who said, I brought in, I brought in an advisor, consultant, who taught my team some coaching skills. They, it was training their brain on how to, how to focus on upgrowing other people. Because it was great, but it missed the application. At the end of the day, the team said, this was great information, but what do I do with it? What do I do with it? And what the problem was, was that the employees didn't know how to be coachable. We forgot to train them. We forgot to train their brains on how to be coachable. And that's the next step. And so now we've developed this platform where we can train at every single level on being coachable. We can actually train the brains of how to be coachable. My gosh, that is going to be so incredible. What a gift to companies. So I'm super excited about what we're up to. And all of these shows that we're bringing you just build on it. So if you can sense my excitement, then you get to be excited too. And we will talk more. So we are just about to the end of our show today. Remember, vision, vision, have it crystal clear. Be very specific. What does it smell like, feel like, taste like? I want to know what your vision is that's so clear that anybody else around you can be your cheerleader and your champion. I want to know it so clearly so that I can be your champion. And when you get there, when you know where it is that you're heading, you train your brain to focus on that. And then when these shiny objects come up, these squirrels, they aren't as interesting. You dust them off, you move forward. So guys, Women, ladies, I keep saying guys. Another thing I need to train my brain on. Friends, thank you so much for being here. Have a phenomenal week. I will talk to you next week. You have listened to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. Have a great week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week.